let us get into the Word of God as we prepare our hearts and spirits for a time of prayer. I want to use a segment of the Scripture that I will go back to in just a moment from the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, verses 28 and 29. There's a word that is there in the Word of God for us this day that will get us into the right attitude of prayer. So let us say these words uh, this morning, if you will, responsibly. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen and amen. So church, let us go to the Lord this morning in prayer, and I pray that in this moment of our time in communion with the Lord that we can reflect for a moment over our week, that we can think through the joy that we have celebrated this week, Maybe the hurt, the pain, the sadness, moments of anxiety where we have feel, felt completely overwhelmed. If there's something that's weighing heavy, a burden, a stone, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is on the move, who is alive, that we can place these things in His almighty hands. Oh God, the Easter eggs have been opened. The Easter afternoon or evening meals and leftovers are completed and the abundance of chocolate has been eaten. But as people of faith, Easter is not over. As a matter of fact, O oh God, Easter is never over. We celebrate the season of the risen Lord for 50 days, in which we rejoice and remember the glories of Jesus continuing to teach us in his glorious risen state. Thank you, O oh God, for this season. Indeed, for every Sunday when we worship. For we recognize that wonderful Easter morning every time we enter these doors. Today, O oh God, we remember the story of Thomas, the disciple often called Doubting Thomas. Beneath the surface, the Scripture shows us something else. It shows us that you, O oh God, walk with us in our unbelief and guide us to find what we need to authentically believe, to authentically have relationship. Lord, we thank you for making that happen. To help us, O oh God, realize that you made us the way that we are, and you guide us to wholeness 
at all times. So God, this day on this second Sunday of the Easter season, help us, Lord. Help us open our ears and our hearts to you so that you might enter in and that we might find new life together. Help us to see how we can be your messengers throughout the world in how we act toward one another and toward ourselves and how we worship you. Lord, we pray all of these things in the name of the Lord of life, Jesus Christ, who gave us a prayer to live by and to pray and to abide by each and every day. Church, let us now say that prayer together, the Lord's Prayer. Please let us say this prayer as the body of faith. Our Lord, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen and amen. So church, I am turning now to the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, verses 19 through 31. In the Gospel text, there are several selections from God's Word in these four Gospels where Jesus appears to the followers after he has been raised from the dead, and this is one of them. So I'm going to ask out of respect for the good news of Jesus Christ, if you would please stand this morning. And Lord, as your text is read, we ask your blessing upon this your word and the proclamation of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, beginning with verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Picking up with verse 24 now. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. 
And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into my wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Church, this is the gospel of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Church, you may be seated. Thank you. So church, here uh, is the good news for us this morning. We pick up right where we left off from last Sunday. And the good news is this, that Jesus is risen. And our Lord and Savior, he is on the move, doing ministry, appearing to the people of faith. Of course, there's surprise and there's shock that comes along with that. So I I wanted to explore uh, one of those texts where Jesus meets uh, those those followers, those believers this day, because there's a word here uh, for you and I uh, in specifically the person uh, of doubting Thomas. So uh, Jesus is is now appearing to uh, those those people of faith. So what I want to do is turn back to verse 24. I want to read a couple of verses here and and unpack some some things uh, in this text for us. So let 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 me pick up here uh, verse 24, and you can look at it uh, there on the screen. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Verse 25, they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now let me stop there. So Thomas, you know, we come to this text, okay, each and every year, okay, putting ourselves right into uh, Thomas's shoes, okay, what, what, what I want to do here is humanize Thomas for a moment in this way and say that Thomas was an everyday kind of guy. Okay, what I mean by that is obviously Thomas was well-meaning. Obviously Thomas had faith and he saw something in his rabbi, in his teacher that attracted him to Jesus Christ. He wanted to learn from Jesus. He wanted to know from Jesus. He was one of the followers of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing that we also have to know 
about Thomas, about the other followers, about you and I. You see, Thomas, like you and I, we live in a fallen world, okay? We were, in a sense, born into sin, and we see things and often interpret things through fallen eyes. Therefore, what can be very simple and very straightforward, we often complicate it, do we not? Through fallen eyes, living in a fallen world. Now, let me be specific. Thomas, he needed proof, did he not? He needed to see. He needed to touch. It's that tangible connection that you and I need as well. How we complicate things is we can't simply just step out of our box of rational thinking, of logical thinking, our own intellectual spin on things. It's hard for you and I to step out of that box and simply believe. So, we rationalize things, do we not? We complicate things. We have to put our own spin, our own background on things for it to make sense. Now, knowing that Put yourself into Thomas' shoes for a minute, and that's where Thomas is. I can't figure it out. I can't fully understand it until I see it, until I touch it. Does that not speak to you as well? It does for me. So that's where Thomas is, well-meaning. A good man, an honorable man, a man of valor, a man of faith, but yet he's complicating it because he must see it. Now, I want to pick up with the scripture again, and as Jesus comes back, okay, Thomas is there, and the encounter happens. But I do want to highlight one thing here, and I'm picking up with verse 26. It says this, eight days later. Eight days later, after Thomas says, hey, I've got to see the resurrected Lord. I've got to see those wounds. I've got to touch them. Eight days go by. Eight days, think about it like this, it's got to stew. It's got to stir. He's got to put his rationale. He's got to put his logic. He's got to put his own understanding to it. Is he wrestling with it? Probably so. Is he trying to make sense of the, resu of, of the resurrected Lord? Absolutely. Like you and I would do as well. Eight days go by for him to process and to wrestle, okay? Now, verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. Ah, okay. He is there with the body of believers now. Watch what happens. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was then standing among them. And he says this, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, 
put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Here it is, church. Believe. Let me say it again. Believe. And then verse 28, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Jesus says to our logical thinking, Jesus says to our rationale, Jesus says to our own spiritual, intellectual thinking, believe. Believe, church. It's just as simple as that. When something literally just blows your mind and you don't understand it, Jesus is saying, simply believe. Trust in me, Jesus tells Thomas. And the Word of God is speaking that same biblical truth to us today. And when Thomas then sees the resurrected Lord, sees the wounds, guess what? He knows that Jesus is not an imposter. He's not a fake. He is the resurrected Lord. So what you have is an everyday person who is a good person, a well-meaning person, a believing person, having doubt and putting his own spin on things and not fully believing until he sees it. And what does Jesus say? Hey, simply believe. So what we have here is an Easter win, church. We've got an Easter win. We went from a doubter to a believer, a doubter who then saw the resurrected Lord and believed. We know that through his proclamation, which was, as I picture it, as I visualize it, a man who was able to not only open up his arms, but open up his heart as well and say this. My Lord and my God. That, that is the good news of Easter. But let me caution you about something. And it's about doubt, church. Every one of us has our doubts, do we not? We have our doubts about people. We have our doubts about situations. We might even be struggling with our doubts about God and Jesus Christ. Church, if that is where you are at, if that is the situation that you find yourself in, then doubting Thomas can speak to you today. But also know this, Jesus Christ can also speak through doubting Thomas as well. You see, doubting Thomas can very easily be a mirror image of you and I because we have our own doubts. We have our own struggles. We have our own heavy burdens. And so often, Things don't make sense in life. People don't make sense in life. Situations, 
hit us and literally slap us in the face, and they just don't make sense. Why, Lord, is this happening to me? Church, have you said that lately? The Easter victory is coming. But what you need to know is this, that the devil will use your doubt as the devil could have used Thomas's doubt against you, okay? Not for you, but against you. The devil will use the leverage of your doubt against you because here's the main line, the bottom line, the main point. The devil will cheat in order to win. That means that he will cheat you in order to win and use your doubt to defeat you. That will always be the devil's purpose. He will try to defeat you and ultimately try to defeat the body of Christ known as the church. So the devil will always use your doubt, okay, to defeat you. But the Easter victory, the Easter win, church, is this. That you and I, like Thomas, can go from doubting to believing when we are able with confidence in this day and in the Easter season and every day of our lives of faith to say with boldness and with deep biblical faith this simple prayer and proclamation. My Lord and my God, Jesus is risen. That means, biblically speaking, that Jesus defeated the very villains of death and sin, that we are no longer bound by these things, that there was an ultimate purpose and mission that Jesus went to the cross at Calvary. There is victory there, and our Lord and Savior is alive. He is risen. So we don't need to be bound by these things like doubt and sin and death any longer. That our prayer, much like Thomas's prayer, can be my Lord and my God. So I want you to take that simple prayer and proclamation that Thomas gives us in this gospel and make it your prayer and proclamation in this Easter season. And it can go simply like this, church. Every morning or afternoon, if you're retired, okay, before your feet hit the floor, okay, your prayer and proclamation can be, my Lord and my God. You know, when you bow for your meals at the dinner table, your prayer and proclamation can simply be, my Lord and my God. Church, when you have to intercede for a hurting friend, because you and I know that there are hurting people in this world, your prayer to them can be, my Lord and my God, church, 
When your head hits the pillow before you go to bed at night, your prayer and proclamation can be, my Lord and my God. Why do we need to say that? Why did Thomas need to say that? Because Jesus is risen, and that is the good news for a hurting world. My Lord and my God. Thomas is often referred to as Doubting Thomas. But today, church, let's rename Doubting Thomas to Daring Thomas because he, with faith and courage and boldness, was able to say, even in the midst of his doubt, my Lord and my God, Jesus is risen glory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, doubt is a real thing. Lord, we may doubt ourselves. We may doubt you. We may doubt others. We may doubt the church. We might even doubt family, friends. Doubt is real. It is no mere fantasy. It is reality. But there is something that is bigger than doubt. There is something that is more profound than doubt, and that is faith. And we see Thomas struggling with doubt. He needed to see it in order to believe it. He needed to touch it in order to know that it was real. But by the end of this gospel text, this was a man who went from a doubting faith to a daring faith. And I pray, Lord, that this scripture can speak to each and every man and woman in this family life center. Lord, that it can minister to their hearts and their spirits, oh God, that if they are doubting, if they are hurting, that they can share this gospel text, Lord, that they can know, Lord, in their heart of hearts that a doubting faith can in fact be a daring faith. That we all, oh God, in the midst of our darkest night of the soul can be able to say with great conviction, my Lord and my God, Jesus is risen. Let us surrender, oh God, what we need to surrender unto you because you are a God who is big enough and bold enough to carry it for us. Bless and keep us all. Bless and keep our church. Bless and keep our community. And bless and keep the U.S. of A. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> Amen.